Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. This is part two to my chat with Kevin Stone, a metal sculpture artist out of British Columbia. This week, we talk about the different types of tools he uses, as well as processes to make these giant sculptures, the type of dimension he tries to work in so that he can move these giant sculptures. We also talk about some snags he's run into while building projects. I hope you enjoy the second half of this wild ride. I see you work with stainless steel a lot. Is that your favorite material because of the corrosion aspect or? I targeted it exactly. Yeah. One is my original, like my original plan with my first partner there was to target casinos and outdoor display because my pieces are usually so big, they need to be outdoors anyway. Yeah. So my vision for a lot of, especially like the Chinese dragon and stuff was to be in a water setting, kind of like the Bellagio fountains and stuff. You'd have it mounted above the water. The water's reflecting off the stainless you could put colored lighting on it at night and just make it look amazing with all kinds of colors and stuff and uh, so that was my vision for the stainless steel and and also for the longevity of it you know it's it's really beautiful to look at but it doesn't rust and and there's you don't have there's you know the maintenance is low i mean if you're getting any kind of algae or anything on it you know you can just pressure wash it once or twice a year and and uh and that's it i mean there's literally no maintenance and it lasts forever so so that was kind of the target also um it's it's nice material to work with it's clean it's you know you can do all the tig welding it's not full of sparks and smoke and dirt and grind and even though i've done my game of thrones dragon and steel and and i do uh, a lot of pieces a lot of my birds are in like rusted metal and stuff so you get that contrasting metal look um i do prefer to work with the stainless it's obviously uh more time consuming and costly to work with but in the end you know they're, they're timeless pieces in the end and challenging so one of the things that I do to challenge myself is I look at all these amazing sculptors that are out there that, that do bronze castings. Mm-hmm. So they work with clay and then they, they make molds and then they do these bronze castings. And when you do it that way, you can be, you know, so detailed right down to every little hair and things yeah. like that. And so I've always pursued my metalwork kind of old school by hand. Everything's hand formed, hand tools. I use everything as much as I can. I don't use computers. I've never used computers, not even for the engineering of my frames and structural frames. I go off of experience and instinct, basically. I've had a, I guess, a natural ability to visualize my pieces to the point where they're self-balancing. You know, I've done huge pieces and they literally balance on their own. Obviously, they can be knocked over and they're they're secured to mounting bases, but I've just the, the way I proportion things and try to balance things out and everything you know if i'm doing a left piece i'll make the right piece at the same time if it needs to be 
you know, make a mirror image of everything, right? Um, Which works out really well in most pieces, especially when you're doing birds and stuff, you mirror image everything and then it comes out symmetrical and and looks proper and proportion wise, you know, that type of thing. Um, But it's all done. I I do everything by hand and by eye. So all my pieces, you know, everybody's like, why don't you have a water jet table or or a plasma table to cut all your pieces? And again, it's to me, it takes away from the handcrafting of everything. I mean, when I build a big bird, every single feather is cut by hands, yeah. cut by hand. And and usually if I'm doing it, it's all cut by me. So every single piece is cut and shaped and welded by me. And that's what makes it more personable for me and for the client. I think they know that, you know, it wasn't a team of people building it for me. It was me that built it. And it wasn't a computer that designed it. It wasn't a computer that cut it. You know, anybody can, as far as I'm concerned, anybody can put a program in into a computer, have the table, cut it all out, and then just figure out how to weld it together. And I see a lot of artwork being done like that. You know, a lot of that triangle art where they they make these animals and it's all done in triangles and stuff off the computer. And I I love it. I mean, it looks awesome and and it's a unique, different way of doing things. But to me, it's not the same. It's not all the, the labor and the time of hand shaping each piece and metal forming it. And, you know, I'll use an English wheel, I'll use a power hammer, I'll use uh, whatever tool in the trade to to shape metal kind of old school way, you know, a, a, a bag and a hammer if I have to, right? Sandbag yeah. <laughs> and a hammer and, and shape it that way. So it, to me, it, it, it it's more blood, sweat and tears. And it makes, to me, it makes the art uh, more valuable. Absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, and it has your personality built into it, literally. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that was like one of my big things for you was just trying to figure out how you can take something. So just a small plan, like an image, and then blow it up so much. It's a lot of math, I'm sure, you know. It's no. Like, no? All by, all by eye. Dang, Literally. literally yeah. <laughs> that so is the insane, word- man. Every project I do generally, if they're really big, so obviously I do research and I'll print pictures from Google and stuff like that. You know, I'll go on Google and look at what a dragon looks like, or I'll go on Google and look at what an eagle looks like, and I'll, I'll print some close-ups for the detail. So I, I, I then I look at that image and go, okay, well, what material am I going to use to form the nostril or, or yeah. to form the lines around its eye or, you know, how am I going to shape its eye or how am I going to shape its beak or whatever that may be that I'm trying to work on. And then I try to recreate it visually from the metal, but I try in my head, I can already see the pieces that I need to make that puzzle go together. And if it's really big, like for instance, when I did the Game of Thrones dragon, I really just started with a wire frame for his mouth. I bent up a half inch round steel wire frame that just gave him his upper and lower lip, basically just for his mouth opening to see if I liked that shape. You know, and I looked at the picture and saw the shape of his lip and I followed that. And then that literally created the rest of the dragon. So I just worked off that to scale. So, you know, his lip was there. Then I figured out, well, I got to bend round bar to make the bridge of his nose. And I got to figure out how to make the roof of his mouth and figure out how to make the inside of his mouth. And and each step is just basically a, a problem solving. How do I make this piece? How do I make that piece? And, and then I just keep going off of that. And so once I had the head done, I had this giant head on. And how I did it is I built it on, a, on an engine stand and oh, it worked man. out really good. So the engine stand allowed me to rotate the head left and right to work on it and uh, support it while I worked on it and be able to get all the way around it. Then I rolled the engine stand up to the front of the shop with the head on it after I was done the head. And I went up on my mezzanine and I looked down and I tried to visualize on the floor 
because I had an empty floor behind the head of how the shape of his body should look if you're just standing above it looking at it. And then I went down there and I drew it out on chalk. And I so I basically just, uh, you know, like kids chalk, you know, um, yeah. sidewalk chalk. And I drew the, the shape of the body and the tail on the floor. And then I went up, double checked every time I'd go up and, and look at it. Then I pictured rings. So rings every three feet or four feet inside the body that would support the shape of that body. And, and I figured I could just do it all in rings, bigger and smaller rings and then skin to those rings you know and yeah. join all those rings which would make a structural frame inside of it so then i drew lines like every three or four feet across the body all the way down and then that gave me an even scale all the way down but i still have the outline of this body then i could go and measure those lines that i drew across and see okay this ring is 30 inches the next one's 35 inches the next one's 50 inches or whatever that was and that allowed me to do the frame to scale and then once the frame was done then the next challenge is is you know how do i put skin on it and weld to it and you know build a structural frame inside that's going to support it and you know, I do some sketches, but other than that, it was just kind of like some simple, basic sketches to see how the, the size of the pipe that I needed and all that kind of stuff to hold it. Right. So that's wild, I, man. I honestly, I don't really know how I do it. To me, it's like if you were copying a picture, like so I used to draw a lot when I was a kid and, and I learned how to draw from copying cartoons, you know, like a Conan or something like yeah. that. I'd, I'd have the picture that I liked and then, you know, and it's only this big in a in a Conan magazine or something. And then I'd try to make it the size of the paper that I'm drawing on. So I learned how to visually scale up basically by learning how to draw. And, and I recommend that to anybody that's listening or, or doing or wanting to pursue metal art artwork uh, or to be any kind of metal artist is learn how to draw. If you don't know how to draw, you're never going to be able to succeed doing art. In my opinion, learning how to draw allows you to visualize, allows you to think uh, three-dimensionally in depth, you know, the shadowing and stuff, uh, how the layers go. It'll improve your metal work a hundredfold. If you take drawing lessons, go on YouTube and take some courses on YouTube, whatever it takes, uh, and just practice drawing, draw lots, and that'll really improve your ability to do any kind of metal art that you want to pursue. It seems too simple. You know, it seems too simple that that is the key to making art is learn how to draw, but it makes so much yeah. sense, you know, at yeah. just learning the dimensions and how scale works. That's, that's, uh, you know, and then if you're doing metal art, you know, people tend to just kind of, they've got blinders and they're looking at what's in front of them. Mm -hmm. Walk around it. And if you get frustrated, walk away. Don't be afraid to walk away and, and say you put something on or you made something and it just totally is wrong and you're frustrated and you, you know, you, some guys get so mad they want to throw tools and uh, that's not, you know, walk away, yeah. go have a smoke, come back, uh, you know, even even if it means um, go home and come back tomorrow, yeah. I've done that. I'm like, you know what? I'm done for today. It's not working. And then I'll go back the next day and, and everything just flows, you know. So uh, don't be afraid to walk away. Don't be afraid to, um, you know, look at it another day kind of thing. And don't be afraid to make mistakes because making mistakes is how you learn. Yeah. You know, it, 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 that's how you learn. I make mistakes daily. I'm sure of it. <laughs> but. <laughs> You know, you just you learn from your mistakes. And, and as you learn from your mistakes, that's what gives you the experience to make less and less mistakes. You know, you learn from your mistakes. So, yeah. And, the, and that's kind of what I try to teach my apprentices too. like, uh, you know, if you're having a bad day, work on something else. Like if yeah. something isn't going right or your welding just sucks today, but yesterday you were doing amazing and you're today it's frustrating you do something else, you know, 
just uh, as long as you're moving forward, the project still gets done at the same time. You're just doing something else. So I hope that type of encouragement can help people because I know metalwork in any form can be frustrating, whether you're welding or forming (laughs) it or shaping it or, you know, so... So I see you do, I know you do a lot of TIG, but you do a lot of MIG. How are you MIGging stainless steel? I've never done it before in my, in my past. Um, well, I don't generally MIG a lot of stainless steel. So the MIG that I use on stainless, uh, and there's a couple of reasons for it. So if you're working with, like I work with, when I do a big project, I'm working like, for instance, the T-Rex. Mm-hmm. So that was actually a huge issue because of, you know, with COVID and shipping and supply and demand and all this kind of stuff. I didn't have a welder that was powerful enough, uh, had enough amperage to weld the material that I was working with. So the legs, the feet they're shaped like a duck or, or you know, if you picture a T-Rex footprint in mud, it's got the three toes, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's how I made the base plates that mount to the concrete. So they're made out of two inch thick stainless and they're four feet by four feet and they weigh about a thousand pounds each. And they were ridiculously expensive and I had to have them water jet and, uh, you know, have all the holes. So when they're on the concrete, you've got these big one inch holes to put drill anchors into and anchor it into the concrete and that type of thing. Kind of like a column in a building, you know, like real heavy duty. And the pipe that I used for his legs, the structural pipe that holds them up is uh, 12 inch by half inch thick stainless so just the two foot pads and the piping to make his his basically his hips and his legs that was like thirty thousand dollars in material and i didn't have a machine other than my tig welder because i have a 400 amp uh, water-cooled tig welder to be able to weld it and so i ordered a 350 pulse miller welder to be able to do uh pulsed stainless wire feed with enough amperage to do a you know nice multi-pass welds and and structural welds as if you were working on a structural actual building basically is the way I look at it. Yeah. And um, and the, the, it was like six to eight months to get my machine. So I'm like, well, I, I, I can't let that hold up the project. So I ordered the machine and uh, and then I, I had a, a young guy working with me. He was a really good welder. And I, I just showed him what I wanted. And we just did like multi-pass TIG welds, you know, <laughs> and your hands on that type of material and it's as hot as the machine can go. Your hands are melting almost. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it worked. We did, you know, I think upwards of 10 passes. Dang. On all the feet and the elbows and the, you know, where everything's connected, it's all uh, TIG welded and multi, multi-pass welds, but it worked and, it, and it, you know, it, obviously it's TIG, it turns out beautiful, it's just really time consuming, you know, yeah. it took them weeks just to do that welding, but we're past it and it kept the project moving forward and, and now I do have my machine, so anytime I'm doing any heavy structural material like that, I will use the stainless um, wire feed for the structural material, but the reason I don't use uh, the wire feed on my projects on on what i'm doing when i'm building them is because of the splatter yeah so it obviously makes things go faster but you get that whole splatter pattern around your weld and yes you can put uh, sprays and stuff to help stop the splatter but i'm at the point where you know when you're doing a mere finish and and maybe even in some areas you don't even want to weld there you're going to grind and polish that weld right out to a mere finish um so it just makes more work having uh you know what the time that you might save wire feeding it versus tig you're going to spend four or five times that trying to clean it up so so the tig is really really nice so it's clean and there's no splatter and uh once you've done the welds uh you can just go in there and and it takes very little effort to grind them away and polish them or even just to clean them up and kind of make them blend in so so that's why i do mostly take on the stainless i saw you did the elon musk bust 
Was that yes. was that stainless or was that aluminum? That's aluminum. Yeah. yeah. So that okay. was that was aluminum. The reason being is uh, the way it was getting mounted and the finish that they wanted out. They wanted a brushed finish, which could have been done in stainless, but they were making the rest of the project out of aluminum already. Mm-hmm. So it only made sense. And because the head, uh, the way it was getting mounted. So I don't know if you know the whole project, but it's a head mounted to a goat and the goat's riding a rocket on the back of a semi-trailer. And there was supposed to be, they've, they've skipped it due to cost and time, but there was supposed to be a planet and some planets like Mars and then the rocket was shooting to Mars with the goat which stands for greatest of all time and then Elon's head mounted to it but the head is six feet tall and you know I think four feet wide uh, or almost four feet wide and so weight was also a concern and then when I made it I used 10 gauge aluminum so uh, a little bit thicker than one eighth and the reason I did that is I wanted to be able to weld it all and grind the welds down and and smooth so there was no welds on the surface And that turned into an absolute nightmare. And I've never done a bust like that before. But how we did it, so this was my first time again now, we're going back to computers, working with computers, which I never got to do. But I had a rendering, I found a rendering, like a 3D model, almost like maybe one of those plastic print machines. And it was a program for, you know, like a home plastic print machine where you could print Elon's face. And it was a $60 download and you could, you know, have the program to your 3D printer could print Elon's head. And it was a really good rendering of him and I liked it. And the modeling that you could download could be worked with. So I reached out on my Facebook and asked around, I said, does anybody work with 3D modeling or that type of thing and could do a rendering of Elon for me? And um, this fellow contacted me out of Calgary and said, yeah, not only can I do that for you, but we actually have a big CNC where we work with sculpting foam and we can do the whole head as big as you need it at a sculpting foam and then and cnc it all exactly like the model and then we can send it to you put a coating to harden it and send it to you and then you can layer your metal over top of it and it'll give you an exact replica of elon and i'm like perfect so that's what i ended up doing so we um, we used sculpting foam and it took several big blocks of sculpting foam to be glued together and then they had a nine foot five axis milling machine and they put this big block of foam in there and then and used that program and they tweaked it a bit and changed his hair and did some things to it to make it a little more uh, current and then sculpted me Elon in a big foam block and then they put bed liner over it so they sprayed um, (laughs) box liner that black box liner to give it a hard shell and not only does it give it a nice hard shell and protects the foam but it gives it a little bit of a heat shield when you're welding on top of it too. And I didn't think that was going to be enough. So when I received it, it it turned out amazing and delivered it to me. So from start to finish, they had that block of foam all sculpted and coated and delivered from Calgary to me here in BC in 10 days or maybe even less than 10 days. Like it was just, they just had it done like now. And so that was awesome. I didn't feel that that coating would be enough protection welding aluminum, you know, because you got to weld aluminum pretty hot, hot, right? And so um, I didn't think it was enough. Uh, So Michelle and I, from doing breweries and stuff, we used to do all our taping to do finishing work. You know, if you're putting nice grains or nice lines beside your welds or around the tanks, uh, we'd always use aluminum tape. And you could grind beside the aluminum tape and the aluminum tape would give you nice finishes, but protect the metal that you didn't want to grind kind of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know, I started looking into that and they make different types of aluminum tape, different thicknesses for different heat so and some of them are expensive it's like some of them are two hundred dollars
$1,000 for a single roll of aluminum tape, but it's because it's, you know, supposed to be able to protect up to 500 degrees or whatever. Yeah. So I ordered all the expensive stuff because I wanted it as thick as possible to protect the bust. Last thing I needed to be, you know, halfway through and the, the whole foam underneath starts lighting up and melting yeah, up yeah, or, yeah. or whatever, you know, so that was a big, big concern. And then I had to figure out how am I going to make all these pieces to fit, you know, you got to hand shape each little piece of aluminum yeah. and it's, we're talking, you know, it's not quarter inch, but it's almost quarter inch thick aluminum. And how do you shape it? Yeah. It doesn't shape easy. A tool can't, you can't put it in an English wheel or nothing, you know? Yeah. So it, we had to hand form every single piece uh, using a hammer and a sandbag, every yeah. single piece. So then I got the idea of, well, you know, for the bulk of his cheeks, his neck and different areas like that, we could do octagons and I'd shape the octagons so they'd fit right onto the foam bust perfectly tight. And if I had all the sides of the octagon fitting tight, there was enough shape there that it followed the skin of what I was trying to create. And I had had that idea from seeing somebody, uh, you know, I don't know where on Instagram or something had done a metal face and they did it in octagons, but they left octagons out. So it was just like a big mask mm -hmm. of a face and three-dimensional face and you could see through it because they left all these octagons out so it wasn't a solid face and it was a beautiful sculpture and that kind of gave me the idea of well if they can shape a face and miss a few then it seems to me that I could shape a whole face and just fill it all in and just weld it all and then if there's any weird lines or something I could grind the shape into it so that's how I did it that's how I approached it anyway I didn't know what I was going to use to glue them on so each piece that's made I had to glue it on to get it to stay there so I could fit the next piece and fit the next piece and fit, you know, and, and I really, I needed it to be all glued on almost all the way around. So it had something to grab onto before I could start tacking it. Because mm -hmm. as soon as I glue something on and try to tack another piece to it, it would fall off. Yeah. Right. And, and not only that, I wanted to have most of the pieces glued on so I could visually see it in case I needed to take something off. I didn't want anything permanent uh, and change it. Right. So that's kind of how we approached it. But then in the end, it really backfired because um, I used too much glue in some areas. And then that glue, as I'm tacking and welding, that glue melted down and got into the seams. Oh, no. And the final, what should have been like a week of welding, turned into like three months of oh, fighting God. glue and porosity and bubbling out at you and melting and me using heat guns to try to melt the glue out before I, you know, and then clean it. But oh, it honestly, it just turned into an absolute nightmare to the point where it was almost ruining the sculpture. Like it, I made it, I got through it and I, and I got it finished, but it wasn't as... Um, painless uh, as you were hoping it, it wasn't i wasn't as happy with the finished product as i could have been if i hadn't a, if i had figured out a different way or maybe a, a type of glue that didn't melt right away or something yeah. that would you know like um like a body panel glue like a 3m you know uh, new cars when you're doing quarter panels and stuff you can glue them on instead of welding them on now and maybe that glue would have held up to the heat better i just used a, a craft glue gun and it worked great as far as putting it together but <laughs> it, it turned into a nightmare as far as welding went Dang. so that is wild last question i i have i've taken up a ton of your time but oh that's um, okay one thing that I know a couple of other people at well.com asked me to ask you is how do you move these things? Like how does. Yeah. You know, uh, that's, it's funny you bring, and I'm glad you bring that up because um, 
I would say 50% of the comments I get on TikTok and, and uh, Instagram and stuff is like, good luck getting it out of there because they don't <laughs> see the big bay doors and things like that. But everything is designed 12 by 12. So if a, a transportation truck is going down the highway with a wide load permit, you can go 12 feet tall on a low bed trailer. So that's one of those air ride low bed trailers that take big bulldozers and stuff. So the, the belly of the trailer is only like maybe 18 inches off the ground. And um and a wide load permit will allow you, I think, they don't really want to be over eight feet wide, but they will allow you 12 feet if it's local and depending, you know, you can move things at night and stuff. So I always look at, you know, if it'll fit out the bay door, if the piece or section will fit through the bay door, then I just have to make the whole sculpture in pieces that will fit through the bay door. Because if it fits through the bay door, it'll fit on a truck and it'll go down the highway. So so that's uh, that's how I build everything. And I've tried to get creative on how to access the mounting points. So I try to hide them, uh, like on the Dragon, for instance, everybody thinks, you know, how are you going to get it out of there? Well, to be honest, the wings are pretty sketchy because of the way they're designed and how big they are. There's not really anywhere that I can make the wings smaller that will mm -hmm. fit to scale to the dragon, but also be transportable. So to be honest, I'm I'm maybe 65% sure that they'll be transportable. And then there's probably <laughs> about 35% that I'm not 100% sure that the wings themselves are transportable because of how big they are and how awkward they are. Uh, but I have tried to come up with my best guesses as to make them transportable. But everything on the T-Rex, the T-Rex is his hips are so tall that uh, I had to shorten the body to be able to lay him down. So the legs will lay forward onto his belly where it joins so then that height is under 14 feet is i can go down the highway under 14 feet so 12 by 14 and i'm really pushing it at that point but he's going local he's only going about 300 miles away yeah. so we could probably do a night move but then when you you know going down the highway is one thing but when you get into a town then you've got you know telephone wires and you know all that kind of stuff and those are all issues as well so i'm really not sure of all the can of worms that i've opened up on transporting this piece to its location i've consulted with the transporter and he said this is what i can get away with and i'm utilizing that right to the quarter end so <laughs> do you ever have times where you have to assemble parts of it there? Yeah, oh, all of them are, all the big ones. Uh, so the yeah. birds, have, I've been lucky because I've designed them. I figured out a way to, to design them that the wings just slide in and out. The client on the other end is able to assemble them. Uh, Michelle and I flew to Dollywood to assemble uh, the big Dollywood eagle. So that was the first time, which was fun. We got to go to Dollywood and, and that was kind of factored into the cost of building it is the cost of installation to, to get down there and, and install it and, you know, all that kind of thing. So did you meet Dolly? You know, I was supposed to, uh, I didn't get to meet her when I was there. And then they were having a big unveiling for the start of the year. So I was there in January and I think uh, Dollywood opened up in March or something. And they uh, sent me an invitation to come back and be there for the grand opening where Dolly would be there. She actually set up a stage under the Eagle and, yeah. and did her performances right under the wing of the Eagle. I think some of the videos are on YouTube. And yeah. um I was supposed to be there, but for, for me anyway, it was really costly uh, and difficult to get to Tennessee from where I am. It was like three flights instead of a direct flight and 11 to 15 hours of travel. And I think it cost me about five grand to go there and back uh, with Ooh. my wife. And at the time we were on a tight budget and we didn't have the money to just go down there to meet her. And, and I, I just ended up passing on the opportunity and, and I wish I did get to meet her, but you know, it just didn't work out that way. So.
I mean, your work's always going to be there. She yeah. knows about it for sure. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, so she did the concert under the Eagle and commented on it and stuff. But Country Weekly magazine, shortly after that, uh, Country Weekly magazine did an article on Dolly and my Eagle and had her posing and kind of pointing up at my Eagle and, and posing underneath my Eagle. And it was a center spread in Country Weekly magazine. And so that was really cool, even though they didn't, awesome. they didn't mention my name. But <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that. Why would we give credit to the yeah. artist, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and another oh, awesome. another interesting thing a lot of people don't know about, in fact, um, the Elon project, when they commissioned me to do the Elon crypto project there, they hadn't known that Elon in 2018, I think it was, my my daughter was on her phone, and I, did, I wasn't even on Instagram at the time. I, I'm kind of new to Instagram and TikTok. I'd been on kind of an old fart on Facebook, you know? She came in and she goes, Elon's got your dragon as his profile picture. And I'm like, what? And sure enough, Elon, I guess because he was working with stainless steel for his rockets and he had the he was involved in the dragon project. So he had my stainless steel dragon, my Chinese dragon as his profile picture on Twitter back in 2018. So we screenshotted it. And I, I've still got a shot of the screenshot of his of his profile with my dragon as his face. <laughs> so that's awesome. man. Yeah. So that was kind of neat. It sounds like it has been quite a journey, but I'm glad you get to do what you definitely are meant to do. Like oh, your, thanks. Your I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm always I'm always trying to get better, and and now I've got my work cut out for me. So we're we're almost done the Game of Thrones dragon. Like visually from the front, I can take a picture of it, and it looks done. Other than the tail's not mounted, uh, but I still have the belly scales to do on the tail, um, the back of the wings, like his shoulders. There's a little bit of um, shaping at the back of his shoulders to do and fill in, and the tops of his uh, hips. A, like a little bit so there's probably maybe a month's worth of work on the dragon and and it's all done so that one's uh, almost a wrap and um and the t-rex now we're pushing hard because i'd like to be done the t-rex uh, i'm hoping before christmas and then i have a big sculpture going to mexico that we've started and i have the wire frame started so i have a little bit of work to finish the wire frame and it's vertically it's too big to be in my shop so once the wire frame's done outside uh we'll be laying it down and bringing it into the shop to put all the the finishing stainless steel on it the the skin that's awesome and uh and then i think the engineering so actually on the bird that i'm building that's i'm working with brian dudash who i worked with at dollywood so oh, nice. um, the american bald eagle foundation used to have a, a habitat spot at dollywood where you could go and visit the eagles and the injured eagles and see how they look after them and that type of thing and, and learn about eagles at dollywood and and they've since grown and purchased their own land in tennessee and they're building a huge uh, north america's large just bald eagle habitat in Tennessee to look after. So through the American Bald Eagle Foundation, they're building um, a visitor center and a hospital and a, and a habitat learning center and everything like that for uh, for bald eagles. So I've been uh, they contacted me and reached out and I've been honored to do the uh, the main feature eagle, which is Challenger. And Challenger is the only eagle in North America that is trained to fly inside coliseums. So when there's a big football game or something like that, and they're doing the national National anthem. They'll let way up in the bleachers. They'll let Challenger go, and he'll fly around over the crowd, and then he'll come down onto the main floor of the Coliseum and land on his handler. and And he's the only eagle that's ever been trained to do that. and And this eagle is going to be uh, in dedication to Challenger. So that's Pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah, man. Well, where could people find your work? 
Metal Sculptor Kevin Stone uh, is the easiest way to find me. So uh, if you're on TikTok, Metal Sculptor Kevin Stone, I think there's a, a little lower case between each each letter. I don't know what they call it, esoteric the or something. underscore. Yeah, the underscore. Yeah. So uh, between each word or each letter, there's an underscore Metal Sculptor Kevin Stone. Instagram and Facebook, again, you'll find Metal Sculptor Kevin Stone. If you want to read some articles and, and some other stuff that I've done, you can find me on Google. Just Google uh, Google. Google Images is a great one. You type in uh, metal artist or metal sculptor Kevin Stone and you'll get pages and pages of articles and, you know, links to podcasts and magazines and I'm sure probably a link to your podcast and and, and all that. So, um, yeah, there's quite a bit of, uh, you know, I've been doing this for a while now, so there's, oh, there's yeah. quite a bit of information out there and and uh, we have a YouTube channel that we've opened up. Surprisingly, hasn't had a whole lot of traction. I think I've got about 800 followers now, but we're trying to plug the YouTube channel and get more people to visit the YouTube channel because you can actually see us working on these projects and um, I tried to do and I'm still trying to do some videos on how to's maybe some tool reviews and metal shaping uh, techniques and things like that so um, we're trying to uh, probably focus our future more on the YouTube and how to's and things like that I watched your timeline of a metal sculpture artist and it was it was really awesome seeing just your story from the beginning right. until now you know yeah so it's my son cool to- my son, uh, my oldest son, Seth, he just started Vancouver Film School and learning how to edit and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. So he did that. He did the editing for that timeline video and it needs a little bit of tweaking, but uh, that kind of gives you the the idea of, of the progression of the projects that I've done. So I'm a fan. I can't wait to keep seeing your work out and about and hopefully keep in touch because I, I definitely will be following you for sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. Make sure you head on over and download the Weld app today to get connected to welders all across the globe, as well as great educational content. Until next week, we'll see you out there.